Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome to this Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Big news this morning. Adam Wainwright is returning per Derek Gould in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We'll talk about that here on the program. Darren Pang with us at 1045. Your reactions, your thoughts, your questions, anything and everything is welcome via the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. The 101 ESPN app is where you can leave a mic drop. Panger, 1045. Adam Wainwright returning. Uh, Topic of discussion here right out of the gate. And the Blues will be in action this evening right here on 101 ESPN. Blues and Oilers doing battle for a second time in four days. Five days? Nurse? Saturday? Five days. Saturday. Sunday. Hold on, I'm doing finger math. Saturday. Sunday. Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Five days. I can confirm. Yep. Yep. Right here Credit on ESPN. Pre-game at 6 p.m. And uh, looking forward to seeing uh, how these two teams do battle again tonight. You can listen to it right here on 101 ESPN. So Adam Wainwright is officially coming back for the 2023 season per Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. The Cardinals have a press conference at 1130. Now, that was sent out yesterday. Do you get those emails, Jackson? No. You're on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, John Mazalek uh, will be speaking with the media and I just thought it was kind of an end-of-the-season deal. Right. Maybe it was tied into the Wainwright news. I don't know. But uh, he will be talking, and I would imagine he'll be talking about a wide variety of topics while he uh, while he speaks with the media. That's coming up at 11.30. So, Adam Wainwright, my read was he was going to come back. Agreed. Now it is confirmed. Here is what Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch uh, had to say, Adam Wainwright, a fixture of the Cardinals' rotation for 15 consecutive winning season and guiding presence for a generation of young starters, will return to the Cardinals for the 2023 season, a source told the Post-Dispatch. Wainwright will be returning for his 18th season with the Cardinals. He'll have a chance to pursue a 200th career win and look to tie the all-time record for second-most wins as a Cardinal pitcher at 210. He already ranks second only to Bob Gibson in strikeouts for the team, and he's the only member of the team who now was also a part of the 2006 World Championship. He got the final out as the team's closer. The veteran right-hander went 11-12 and 12 in 2022 with a 3.71 ERA. While the Cardinals marketed the season as a last ride for the trio that's divined an era in the club's history, Wainwright did not join teammates Yadier Molina and Albert Pools in announcing his retirement at the season's end. He wanted to meet with family before deciding, and he wanted to explore a return with the team for 2022. Three. So terms at this moment uh, have not been announced, but he did get $18 million for the 2022 season. 2021 season was an incentive-based contract with an $8 million base. Went up to $18 million Jeez. last year. Um, so we'll see what those numbers look like um, for Wainwright for 2023. Jackson, your first reaction. Go. Uh, awesome to have you know a guy who... You know, since I started watching baseball, it was six was basically the first year I can remember watching baseball. You know, having the guy come back for another year and hopefully can still be effective is great because the rotation, you know, honestly needs uh, some help there. And I think if he can be what he was for 2021 and most of 2022, he's a great guy to have on the team, you know, on top of his leadership skills and how he commands the clubhouse. 
So that's great. I'm just curious to see what they will be paying him uh, in the upcoming season. So uh, the rotation as of right now, at least on paper, doesn't mean all these players will be with the Cardinals when they arrive in Jupiter, Florida, or when the season starts. The rotation has Miles Michaelis, Stephen Matz, Dakota Hudson, Jordan Montgomery, and Jack Flaherty. Quintana is a free agent. Montgomery is arbitration eligible, as is Flaherty, as is Hudson. Um, so at this point, if you do indeed uh, keep the arbitration eligible pitcher, pitchers, and I wouldn't imagine you're going to see Michaelis go anywhere, um, Stephen Matz, I was reading something from Joel Sherman yesterday, not to say that he was reporting this, he was theorizing that the Cardinals have a need for a catcher the Mets have a surplus of catchers including a prospect and he was talking about the possibility of McCann coming to the Cardinals I don't know if the Cardinals would be interested in him in exchange for sending Mats back, back to the Mets but Stephen Cohen of the Mets was not a big fan of the way Mats left he uh-huh. thought they signed him yeah there to, was there to was... a bigger deal than what I think the Cardinals did if I'm not mistaken oh yeah there was like there they were trading barbs back and forth. Yeah. So that'd be curious. So uh, that was Joel Sherman. I was reading that in the New York Post yesterday afternoon. Either way, point being, that's six starters. Yeah. If you're going to just... Like, if indeed all return. Right. Again, Michaelis, Matz, Hudson, Montgomery, Flaherty, five, Wainwright, six. Yeah. And that's, of course, you know, when Dan McLaughlin was with us on the show last Thursday, and it's not like nor Dan purport to be in the know, but he was theorizing that it may be difficult for the Cardinals to tend to the outfield or shortstop and catcher with an acquisition uh, and then also bring back Quintana, who is a free agent. Yeah. Yeah. If you're thinking like Oddman out in that Quintana and then Hudson possibly as well, you know, you never know what's going to happen with that. So Wainwright, yeah. I mean, it's it's better to have you know, one too many starting pitches and not enough when injuries start happening. Your reaction, Adam Wainwright, coming back for another year. 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. Uh, and the reaction is this. Uh, first text, I'm just reading in order, Jackson. Great depth of mediocrity. Uh, I'll vomit if we get McCann. He's horrible. Would be happy to ditch that Matt's contract, though. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, it's all we hear. That's from the 314. Flaherty and a bunch of number four starters. Yuck. Um, let's see. Uh, over under, he wins 12 games. That is from the 314. Uh, with Wayno back, I would assume that Quintana is gone. That is also... That's from the 319. Nice. Uh, let's see... So happy Wayno is returning, if for nothing else but the veteran presence. I'm so excited. That's from Shelly, and she is in O'Fallon, Missouri. Yeah, I, that, and I agree with Shelly, but then we, this, the natural follow-up is how much does that veteran experience cost? You know, that that's what you got to factor in. And then as far as Florida number four starters, I mean, Miles Michaelis was— outside of like one game in Colorado, was rock solid last season. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't share that opinion. I, I, I will say this— in order to go deep in the postseason, it does seem that the Cardinals are lacking two key components. Number one, a longer lineup, and by that meaning right. uh, more than just two guys uh, in the core. And then secondarily, it does seem that usually these teams have some quote-unquote killers at the top of the rotation. Mm-hmm. The Phillies certainly do, yeah. and obviously the Astros rotation, I mean, hell, you the, I mean, Verlander, I suppose, is your obvious one, but uh, you have a variety of guys who could be ones on a number of baseball teams that are 
you know, in that rotation. That is just a deep rotation. But my point being, whether you want to look at uh, what the Braves have going, and now it's some younger arms, or the Mets, the obvious DeGrom, Scherzer, these days, that is what teams will try to do. And I don't think the Cardinals have a clear one-two killer combination. Didn't work out for the Mets, but that is a clear one-two killer combination. Tim, unless the Cardinals sign Trey Turner, I'm taking the under on Cardinals wins next year. They will be 500 at best. That's from the 3-1-4. Now, respectfully, I would tell you that I would say that's premature because we haven't even gotten to the postseason yet. Um, But I will also say this. This is one of the most pivotal off-seasons I can recall in Bill DeWitt's era as owner of the franchise. Because there are so many holes to fill, there are two benchmarks of not only fandom, but success that won't be a part of it. And also something that I think kind of flies under the radar, and we touched on it yesterday, and that is... Nolan Arnato is, well, first off, we don't know that he's back. I expect him to be back in a rework deal where the Cardinals give him another year or two, but there has not been anything on that. The baseball does not like when teams make significant announcements during the World Series, so I wouldn't expect that. Uh, Wainwright's announcement coming two days before the start of the World Series. Last year, the Cardinals had to get a special exemption from baseball to announce right. the Mike Schilt deal. Right. Um, but Paul Goldschmidt will be in his 36-year-old season next year. He'll turn 36 next year. So my point is, yes, you're saying farewell to Molina and Pujols. Wainwright, this may be the end. I would expect it to be the end, but I probably said that two other years. Right. That uh, you got to start capitalizing on this. You don't, you're not going to get Paul Goldschmidt nor Arnato playing into the 2030s. No. This, is, uh, this is the time to capitalize. My point being, I expect the Cardinals to make a significant acquisition this year via trade, this offseason, via trade, or via the free agent market. But at the same time, as I was talking about yesterday and on TMA this morning, I thought for sure they were going to do something last offseason, and they really didn't do much of anything. No, they did not. But I don't think it got much attention because of the work stoppages we touched on. Um, So, there you go. I think he wants to challenge himself by not having his longtime catcher Yadier Molina, try to get to the 200-win milestone. The Hall of Fame voters will take into consideration that his stats maybe were inflated due to having Molina behind the plate. That's from the 270. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't see it that way, and I also don't see him as a Hall of Famer solely on baseball. Right. And I love Adam Wainwright. He's one of my favorite people in all of the world. Yep. I don't but think it, it doesn't I can't then call him a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah, I don't think there's anything he can do in 2023 that's going to change Hall of Fame voters' mind on him. And I don't really I'm think Cy Young, I suppose. I right? I can't, yeah, that was that. That would be wild. But uh, you know, I just I don't, th- and I also don't think he himself is like looking for these personal accolades. I think he has a competitive fire in him and thinks he can contribute to the team. So he's coming back. Uh, Tim is Trey Turner, or Carlos Correa more realistic? I think that I think that is in play. I think a big acquisition is coming. Now, I know that immediately that is probably met with people rolling their eyes. Um, I just, I cannot for the life of me imagine them not doing anything on offense. But at the same time, that's what I thought last year. I thought last year it was perfect for the Cardinals to go into that shortstop market. They wouldn't have to part with prospects. And they could bring in what was a flooded shortstop market. This year you have Turner and Correa. Last year Correa was out there. He's opting out with the Twins. Trevor Story certainly was one that uh, I think some Cardinal fans were interested in. He started super slow with the Red Sox and then got it going. 
But uh, I just can't imagine with the outfield situation being what it is, what shortstop is, what it is. I just don't know how they don't tend to it. I'm going to enter in my thoughts of who they're going to get right now. Oh my God! Yep. So when they when they trot out there in April of next year, you know, no, I said it first. Uh, Dansby Swanson and Sean. You've been talking about him. Yeah, and Sean Murphy. Wow, Jackson with a parlay. Yep. They're, you're you're going to have a new catcher. You're going to have a new shortstop. I think it's going to be Dansby Swanson. I think it's going to be Sean Murphy. Wow. I think Dan Dansby Swanson's a better player than he gets paid for. And that's exactly who the Cardinals are looking for. And Sean Murphy had a good season last year and I think could be uh, what they need a catcher. There it is, Jackson. Not, not breaking the bank, but getting two, you know, some fresh blood in there with a lot of upside. Jackson has officially spoken. Yeah. It, it, just like a move like Correa doesn't strike me so much as a Cardinal move just because you're, you're paying a big bill up front for him rather than paying smaller and then paying him much more later down the road. You guys are crazy. Adam Wainwright's a Hall of Fame player for sure. That's from the 314. I don't know. I would, I'd, listen, I would enjoy it I'd, as yeah, a Cardinal fan, as in a St. Louisan, but I just I can't sit there and say that I think that that's the case. I, I, but I do, if I, like I said, you go, okay, well, Adam Wainwright wind up in baseball's Hall of Fame. My answer actually is yes, because I, I believe he's going to wind up being a hell of a broadcaster and synonymous with either take your pick of the Cardinal broadcast in some capacity or national broadcast in some capacity for years to come. Yep. I just I see him not necessarily as Charles Barkley because that's a once-in-a-lifetime right. kind of thing, right. but somebody synonymous with the game of baseball. So that's how I view him going into the Hall of Fame. But strictly as a player, I don't see it. And that's not intended to be disrespectful. It's just telling you what my opinion is. But I certainly would love to be wrong on it also. Uh, Tommy Edmond is overrated and Dansby is Edmond, but overpaid. Thanks. That's from the 636. I, just, I don't think, I think you're wrong. I think Edmond is a good player who's been good ever since he got up to the Cardinals. And I think Dansby Swanson has a lot of upside. Uh, no, Swanson sucks, Jackson. 618. It's your opinion. It would have, I mean, he'd be just as good or better than any shortstop the Cardinals have put out there in four or five years. Uh, Wainwright is not a Hall of Famer, but Tim, you are. Thanks. That's from the Agreed. three or four. I agree with that. Finally, common ground has now been found. Yeah, I would think that I get the Ford C. Frick Award for HD2 <laughs> broadcasters. They started that wing recently. Oh, man, and, I'd love to see you in Cooper's team. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's fun to watch a lopsided bust. <laughs> What happened to that side of his head? Don't know. Yeah. Sculptor must have had an off day. Yep. No. <laughs> no, it's real, bro. Anatomically correct. Yeah, it is anatomically correct. It's also very tiny. <laughs> like, I'll be right next to Aaron Judges. Yeah, right. I feel like, oh, what happened? Did something fall off a judge? Yeah. No, that's the HD2 award winner. <laughs> All right, uh, we will uh, take a commercial break. Come back. Darren Pang is coming up at, uh, at 1045. The World Series is 48 hours away. Uh, John Mazalek addressing the media is an hour and 15 minutes away. On the other side of the break, something got going yesterday on the Twitter tweets that then got me looking up lists. The greatest... Oh, you know what? I know it's not been done in Sports Talk Radio before. How about this? The Mount Rushmore of World Series home runs. The Mount Rushmore of World Series home runs. Look at you. You're looking at me like Phil Ivey trying to figure out if the guy's on a flush draw or he has a full house. That's what you're doing right now. What are yeah. you doing? It's I'm making think- me uncomfortable. I'm thinking. But you're looking at me. Well, where am I supposed to look? Like you're on some kind of list. Let me look at a text line. I'll never. <laughs> I won't come back with break. You're not blinking. And you just have this smile on your face. It's like if I looked out my window and somebody were looking in, I'd, that's the look on their face that they would have. Are you thinking of, of yeah. home? Okay. Yeah. 
It's the first time I've been uncomfortable in these studios. And that includes to, the Sports Center updates. Do you want me to throw them out now, or can I, are we going to take a well, break? No, we're getting better at teasing. Thank God, because I, I wasn't going to be ready for that. Yeah. Uh, because naturally the David Freeze game six one, but is that a St. Louis thing or is that an across I baseball? Thing? I can't hear your opinion. I got to you got to have to cut yourself off because we're getting better at teasing. That's right. It's coming up next here on Balloon Party One Hundred One ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred One ESPN. Jackson's bouncing around, but he's feeling it today. I mean, do I go to your Mount Rushmore first? Hashtag Mount Rushmore Sports Talk Radio. Mm, yeah, but it could go poorly here. That's why we'll go to you first. Darren Pang's going to join us at 1045 in the first segment of Bloom Party here on 101 ESPN. We talked about Adam Wainwright returning for 2023. John Mazelik addressing the media coming up at 1130. Derek Gould with that report. You can read more on stltoday.com. Yeah, I saw this uh, going around. I saw David Freeze trending on the Twitter tweets Ooh. yesterday. And I go, oh, I hope everything's all right with Freeze. And people were just talking about the best home runs in World Series histories. So uh, we were discussing with the great Mike Ryder, executive producer of 101 ESPN, are we talking walk-offs? Are we talking home runs? And we can talk walk-offs, but what I, what, I, what I charged you with, sir, is the hashtag Mount Rushmore of World Series home runs. All right. You ready for this? I am. But uh, by saying you're ready for this, that's buying time. It's right. 100% tight read. So all but one of these occurred before I was born. Wow. Yeah. So my first one, my George Washington, is, of course, David Freeze. I mean, I, biased or not, I think a lot of baseball fans, maybe the recency bias helps that, but would say that that is one of, and it's, you know, it encompasses the entire game leading up to that point. You know, it wasn't just like it was a nothing-nothing game that Freeze had a home run, extra innings. It was an unbelievable game, capped off by David Freeze hitting one to dead center. You know, the local kid. You couldn't write a better script for it. So I'll put that one there. Uh, next, I'm going to go Joe Carter walking it off. I think that's about as cool as it gets to walk off home run a World Series victory. Um, so I'll put Joe Carter in there. Okay. I'm going to put 19 and 32. Babe Ruth calling a shot. And I that will... that that answer strikes me as one that was looked up during the commercial break. Yeah. Okay. But I, I is just, it uncomfortable that I own your soul? No, because I was looking it up to know what year it was. I knew he called a shot in the World Series. I just wanted to know the year because if I said one year off, the whole text line would explode. So, Don't you know. let the text line own your soul as well. Only <laughs> let your soul have one owner. I'm a soul proprietorship. You're a soul owner of my soul. Um, Cut that off. Thank you. Uh, and then finally, Gibson. Okay. Or Gibson. You kind of said that like you're not happy about it. I mean, it's a great moment. It is, but it's the Dodgers. Oh, I didn't know you were anti-Dodger. I am. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't like the Dodgers at all. Huh. I, I think that one. That one I happen to be watching live. Mm-hmm. You know what other great sports event took place that day? So Probably it was not. Eighty-five. Eighty-eight. No, Eighty-eight. Eighty-five. Oh. Today it will be uh, thirty-seven years, if I'm not mistaken, since the Don Dinkinger call. Eighty-eight. That means that was the Cardinals and Royals in eighty-five. Eighty-eight. 88. So I have to go to October of eighty-eight. If you get this. I will doff my cap. Uh, I mean, it's it's relatively speaking obscure. It's probably a football, something in football. Yeah, I mean, if it involved the NHL, I I would know better. Uh, yeah, good point. I can't. I don't know. Uh, Notre Dame upset number one Miami. 
and Jimmy Johnson, who was the mm-hmm. coach of the Hurricanes, could have kicked a field goal to tie it and remain number one. But to his credit, he went for two. And uh, yeah, the pass was deflected. And the Fighting Irish went on to win and win the national championship. Yeah, that was just when you won by voting yeah. into it. Um, so, yeah, that happened earlier in the day on NBC, if I'm not mistaken. And then later in the day on NBC, you had the Kirk Gibson home run. How about that day. for a nice little afternoon yeah, of, of viewing day. if you sailed in on the couch? Uh, so I, before I go into my Mount Rushmore, uh, just to see if there was one that I was missing, I typed in a search engine, greatest World Series home runs. And the top link is from Bleacher Report. And I'm not BSing you. And I'm dead serious. I'm stunned by this. Uh, David Freeze's is not only not in the top 10, huh? it's not even in the honorable mention. What year was this written? 2020. Oh, my God. What? October 26th. Oh, I take it back. Forget it. 2010. Okay. I was going to say, I was like, wait. I was looking. I'm going, how in the world? Yeah. How can he not even be mentioned? Nice. I'm going to blame you for that. Jackson yeah. sent me this link from I 2010. Did, I did. I sent him this did link. Did you drop it out? Thank it was you. the same one I found out <sighs> Babe Ruth's home run was. Now, this one was from 2021. I pulled this one because Jackson sent me the one from yeah, 2010, as you bad. just heard. Uh, they had Derek Jeter in 2001 when he became Mr. November. Yeah. Those three games in New York were ridiculous. I know you were three when it happened, but uh, yeah. Tino Martinez, big-time friend of the Cardinals, uh, <laughs> had the home run to force extra innings. Uh, Mickey Mantle in 64. This was against the Cardinals. Uh, Dusty Rhodes. I remember him more for wearing polka dots into the wrestling ring, but before he got into that, uh, he played in the World Series in 1954. Carlton Fisk is one that I consider to be live. Do you know the Carlton Fisk home run? Yeah, because it was mentioned in... Google hunting. Ah. Yeah. yeah. That's the only reason you're aware of it. Yeah. I remember from the This Week in Baseball, which was a great show. I had Baseball Bunch growing up with Johnny Bench and Tommy Lasorda dressed up as like a wizard. It's dead serious. <laughs> Looking back on it, it's amazing. Uh, and it was the Baseball Bunch. And I think they wore powder blue uniforms. And, uh, and then This Week in Baseball. And uh, and they would always show Fisk waving the ball, yeah, trying waving, to stay okay, it fair, yeah, keep yeah. it fair. Yeah. I had to see it by the girl. David Freeze's, though, is sixth on this list. That doesn't make much sense to me. I mean... Kirby Puckett, which, Game 6, that's where the original, original We yeah. Will See You Tomorrow Night, which is why, to me, the G- Game 6 was incredible in and of itself, but running along the lines is Joe Buck's call. Yeah, agreed. And I swear to you, I said to my wife before it even happened, and I don't know, Joe did something, or he said something, that I, I said to Anna Marie, I said, I think if the Cardinals win this thing with a walk-off, he's going to say, we will see you tomorrow night, because his dad's call in the 91 World Series of Puckett's home run is legendary. Right. We will see you tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, I think earlier in the broadcast, if my memory is correct, they played that because it was the anniversary of it. Oh, I didn't realize it was the anniversary. Yeah, because it had been 20 years, 91 to 211, yep. so I think they replayed it. And Joe talked about it for a second, and then it was so perfect that, that he got that opportunity. It was on my mind, yeah, and then he did it. It was incredible. Uh, Kirby Puckett, 91. Now, this is their top four. Babe Ruth, 1932. Must have been listening. <laughs> Kirk Gibson, 1988. Joe Carter, 1993. And number one, Bill uh, Mazeroski, 1960. 
To date, this remains the only walk-off home run in Game 7 of the World Series, which means it is to be at the top of the list of the greatest World Series home runs. Yeah. The funny thing about this series is that the Yankees were winning in blowouts while the Pirates were eking out close wins. The Yankees outscored them 55-27 to in the series, but the Pirates found some magic in Game 7, scoring five runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to take the lead, only to see the Yankees score two runs in the top of the ninth to tie the game. And that set up Mazeroski, who was more known for his defense, to win the game and become a legendary figure in Pittsburgh for the rest of his life. My guess is reading about that game, I'm certainly familiar with it. Bill Mazeroski's Hall of Fame speech is one of my favorites. It's also incredibly strange because he can't talk. He just starts weeping when he gets up there to talk. Mm-hmm. And he just apologizes and sits down. He was so overcome with emotion. Um that he couldn't talk and I don't know if he regrets it or if he appreciates that people now view it it's kind of like the end of the Sopranos at first it was criticized but now it's appreciated yeah. by some um, that if that World Series home run would happen in 2020 or 2010 I think we'd have a greater appreciation for right, it especially right. that game I mean that's a game seven of the World Series it involves the Yankees and the Pirates were down, and they score five runs to take a one-run lead. Then the Yankees kind of do the Josh Hamilton thing, and then they respond in the next top half of the inning, and then Mazarowski responds. It sounds like they had a Game 6, except it was Game 7 back in 1960. So in, in fairness on my observation, I can't—it certainly sounds like that's worthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with the things that I can recall. For me, the David Freeze one is number one. Yeah. Um, and I don't, and I, and I recognize that that's certainly an outsider might go, well, that's St. Louis bias. But yes, you incorporate what took place in that game that Freeze had went on absolute terror, starting in the NLDS in yep. Game Four, if I'm not mistaken, against the Phillies, and carried it on to be NLCS MVP and World Series MVP. And more significant to me than the home run was the triple off Feliz in the ninth right. inning, down to the last strike. Then the Cardinals responding after Hamilton's home run. And then once, and then on top of it, Free should have walked on four pitches, but it was a bad call. We talked about it on the podcast with Pat Maroon that we'll never ever see the light of day for some reason. Um, he's like, yeah, that was that was a ball, but he called it a strike, and then it changes his life. Yeah, because I seriously. think it was a three-one pitch that he hit for a home run. Yeah, he's sitting on a three-one pitch. Oh, and the look on the face of the reliever for the Rangers walking off, and they, and they catch him right as he's like having his moment of reality, exhaling, and it hits him that this is going to be with him the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, and Joe's a big reason that that home run is 100%. So You're yeah. exactly right. The you, call. You hear the call, but then all you hear is the crowd noise after. It's the perfect letting it breathe moment. God, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was absolutely unbelievable. I'm going to put Gibson number two. Okay. Um, watching that live and the buildup surrounding Kirk Gibson and was whether or not he would even hit on top of it. The fact that the A's in 1988 and 89 and 90, and they only won World won World Series with that team, uh, which I think has to be considered one of the bigger misses in, in relatively recent baseball history, that that team only won World, World, World Series. And the fact that he battled in that bat, like Freeze did against Feliz, and then Eckersley goes with the off-speed pitch, which is probably the only thing he had a chance of hitting. Right. And you see the lights of the cars in Dodger Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. Turning red because people are like, oh, my God, we left. <laughs> uh, that will be number two. Joe Carter won a World Series in 1993. Now, it wasn't a Game 7, but he won a World Series. It sounds like if the Mazeroski one was in 93 and the Carter one was in 60, it would have been flip-flopped. But right. for me, I will because I've witnessed it, that is there. The Kirby Puckett one doesn't strike me as big of a deal. 
as maybe it should. Mm. And I don't know why that is. And I was watching that game live um, when Puckett hit that home run. And I guess it was because I didn't feel like they were like on their deathbed. Mm. That was just a low-scoring game, if I'm not mistaken, and it didn't it didn't have the drama of the Cardinals game six. And I realized the Twins were facing elimination, but they weren't down in the game. The Cardinals right. were fighting back from being down, and yeah, Freeze hit it when it was tied. Uh, so therefore, Jackson, I know it might not necessarily be one that will be met with, with warm regards here, but considering September 11th and considering that the series was all but over, I'm going to put Tino Martinez's home run off BK Kim that then led to the Yankees' comeback a month after September 11th in what was a hell of a World Series as well, uh, I am going to put that on there. And it uh, it shocked the world when it happened. The Diamondbacks were about to go up and wrap that thing up. The Yankees won three straight. And uh, watching that and considering the overtones of what had happened in the country, I am going to put that ahead of the Kirby Puckett one. So my official Mount Rushmore, uh, and again, it's biased with recency because I can't speak to the Carlton Fisk one or the Mazeroski one or the Mantle one um, or the one you cited, Babe Ruth, that I will go freeze, Gibson, Carter, Tino, the Yankees, September 11th in October of 2001. Nice. That's a a tidy little Mount Rushmore right there, Tim. Okay. I like I I saw I witnessed one of those home runs so I can't Yeah, really speak. you weren't around for Joe Carter and you weren't really cognizant of Tino. No, I was yeah, so I have uh, only witnessed one of those so I can only speak to one of them. I've seen the video of all of them, but you don't get the context of, you know, that game or the entire season at all. So And I wouldn't consider myself a Tino Martinez fan to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um not not didn't enjoy his time in St. Louis and it was clear from the get-go at spring training the year he arrived, which was only a few months after that home run that he wishes he was still in New York. Right. He, but still, I have to call it how I see it. Yeah, he kind of talked about them in third person when talking about he the talk, Yankees. He talked about the Cardinals in third person and the Yankees right, in first right. person. I just kind of jokingly made the observation. He goes, no, I called them when I was on the team. And he looked at me like he wanted to fight. I'm like, bro, if you want to go, I, I'll concede right now. Yeah, I'll just go like, home. I'm not going to be able to take you down. I mean, I'm going to go for the legs, and if I don't get you there, it's going to be over. Yeah, so. I'll concede. <laughs> Uh, all right, Darren Peck's coming up at uh, 1045. Um, and uh, as we said at the outset of the program, Derek Gould, the post batch reporting. Adam Wainwright is indeed coming back for his 18th year with the Cardinals. Uh, John Mazalek addressing the media coming up at 1130. So details of that deal should be coming forth any moment here over the next hour or so. Darren Pang coming up at 1045. Blues and Oilers tonight. Pre-game at 6 p.m. right here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan in action. Jackson with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Darren Pang going to be with us in about, oh, I'd say seven minutes here on the program. In the meantime, you're welcome to text in at 65780. Jackson, I'm doing quick hitters because we only have so much time. I love a quick hitter. All right. Uh, Centene has pulled their name from the uh, new soccer stadium just a few months before the team kicks off their debut season. Um, And you pose this question. In your mind, is this a situation to monitor or just a corporate change of heart? Also, uh, how cool does City Park sound? (laughs) So it sounds like you're a fan. You know, you're framing that second question to get a positive outcome. I'm trying to. I I understand. Because the way to do it more in an unbiased, what is your opinion on the name City Park, which is what the name will be now that Centene is out? So you are clearly a fan. Yeah, that's awesome. 
City Park? That sounds just, I don't know how long it'll be called City Park no. unless it becomes the Purina City Park or the take your pick yeah. of whatever AB Libation City Park. HD2. See what I'm saying? HD2 City the Park. TMA City Park. Yeah, yeah. We are in talks. Fine. I said it. <laughs> Uh, do I think it's something to be concerned about is your first question, which I um, I can understand people thinking that. I uh, When I saw this news, um, I, uh, I did a little reporting, for lack of a better term, to get some context to it. Because my understanding is Centene, uh, ever since the passing of their CEO, uh, Michael Neerdorf, in uh, I think it was April, if I'm not mistaken, he died at 79 years old. They have been restructuring the way they're handling their marketing expenses and also the campus they were going to expand in Clayton and also one they were going to build in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's all about trying to provide higher returns for their investors and therefore they're cutting what some investors may have viewed as superfluous expenditures. And this, unfortunately, would fall into that category. Um, my understanding is there is a buyout, so it's not like... Uh, STL City is just sitting there with nothing. There right. is a buyout. Right. So that, uh, if for those of you who would be wondering about that element, they are fine in that capacity. And I, this is not an indication of it has nothing to do with what's going on with the electrical issue or anything along no. those lines. I think they are doing very well, both from a ticket standpoint and a sponsorship standpoint. There is a real appetite for this franchise. They've had two negatives running here over the last, if, if you view this as a negative, and I understand people doing so. But that's why I wanted to get some context on it. And that is with what went on with the uh, electrical situation downtown and opening the stadium for not the regular season of the MLS, but the game that was supposed to be the first one in the city park uh, a few weeks ago or a month plus ago. And now this news, but I do not believe that that is indicative of reason to be concerned. So Agreed. That is that that that's from when I saw it yesterday because I know this is the kind of thing that when it gets down to it, when people watch sports, they're not necessarily looking at it through the business prism. But I kind of am enamored with the business side of it, and so I wanted to get some um, some context to because because what can happen, and I understand this is a lifelong St. Louis, and on top of it, grew up in the actual city of St. Louis, and then lived on Washington Avenue. One of the things that goes on here, and again, I understand it. I'm not saying it's wrong. But one of the things that I think is more common in St. Louis than other top 25 markets is uh, self-criticism. And if something goes wrong, it is, oh, well, here we go again. Nothing can be right in St. Louis. And so if that were the case and there was a falling out, then that's what I would have reported. But in this case, if you look around the way Centene has handled their business since the passing of Neerdorf uh, in April, this is what they have been doing. And on top of it, if you lose somebody who's really been the face of that organization and it changes things substantially, and now they've changed what they are doing. And that is what happened here with what now is known as City Park and what was known as Centene. Uh, Jackson, uh, Skip Schumacher is going to the Marlins. Skip Schumacher gets the job in Miami as their manager. So the Cardinals lose their bench coach. He would have been with the Padres for four years. He was by Ali Marmol's side this year. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I suppose it could be a loss. It's it, it's tough to quantify the value of a bench coach. But he's a guy, when he was on TMA, and I don't know when it would have been, what year it would have been, he was still playing with the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, although it might have been after he had left and he went to the Reds, I think. 
Yeah, he went Reds, Dodgers. Dodgers. Yeah, he's an LA guy. Um, Padres. But I just remember getting off the phone. I think I probably said it on the air. Like that guy is either going to manage a team or be in broadcasting. Yeah, because he he is just so knowledgeable about the game, but he's not necessarily somebody that you go to for interviews regularly right. because right. he's you know not one of the core guys and he's not a starter Mm -hmm. so it's not like you're talking to him every fifth day but man he's got baseball knowledge and i think it was matt holiday perhaps here on 101 espn yesterday could be off the mark on that or maybe it was holiday talked to craig mish who broke the story yesterday's uh miami reporter that he just has a presence not that not that he doesn't joke around he jokes around ask kyle loesch about that but it's it's he has a presence of leadership, and it's just one of those traits. And it's funny, and I realize now it's kind of become, uh, I would suppose some might call it a joke now, but Mike Matheny had that for mm-hmm. guys in the early 2000s. He was the leader in the clubhouse. He and Woody Williams were. And that's a team that had Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, oh. and Albert Pujols, um, and Jason Isringhausen. I mean, some Cardinal Hall of Famers on there. And I recall guys going, oh, well, Matheny's the leader for the position players and Woody's the leader for the rotation. I'm going, oh, how about that? Who would have thought that? But that's that's the way that it is. It's a certain presence of leading by example. Skip has that. So I'm super happy for him. I suppose the one downside of it could be you're going to a place that historically has had problems maintaining success on the field. And once players achieve a certain level, they become trade pieces. Yeah. So I hope it goes well for him and his name is not tarnished as a manager because he's part of a franchise that is certainly got a, you know, 50-foot putt, so to speak, in order to be competitive, especially sure. in a division with the Mets, Braves, and now what might be a force the with the Phillies. Yeah. So that's something that I that I keep an eye on for him. But I'm happy that he got the opportunity, and there are only so many of those jobs. Yep. And I don't think he saw the one in St. Louis coming open anytime soon. Darren Pang going to join us on the other side of the break. Tim McKernan with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to talk Blues Hockey with Darren Pang. Holy jump and what a save. Refreshed by Urban Chestnut Brewing Company and their Urban Underdog Lager. Prost. Welcome back. Tim McCurdy with you to the top of the hour. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the program live from Anaheim. We're a Hobie on TNT with the Ning and the Ducks. Darren Pang with us. Good morning, Panger. Tim, are you, uh, are you over a couple of weeks ago or have you played a game since then? And if you've if you made a bunch of birdies, I just want to know where your golf game is. I, I, I really want to be honest with you because I think there might have been a downer after that successful ride. No, I understand that. It's tough to keep that momentum. Uh, I would imagine you were probably going, yeah, maybe it was like the Blues on Saturday and then inevitably there was going to be a drop-off on Monday oh. night with the Jets. And maybe you saw a parallel with my game and the Blues game. Oh. But I'm out there getting work in constantly because you know who's next? You and the guy you're going to see tonight, Patty Maroon. That's who I want next. Oh, that is some. That is a. That's a good match right there. That is a good match. Patty's. Uh, Patty's got his Stanley Cup uh, local hero pictures all over the locker room there in uh, the 19th hole at, at Meadowbrook Country Club. I love Patty. Uh, I'll see him this morning. Well, he won't be there for a morning skate. They played last night in in uh, uh, in L.A. Not that it's a long ride, but uh, I, I will see him. 
I'll be between the benches, so I'm sure he'll be chirping. Maybe I'll get him talking about that a little bit. <laughs> get him going on that. I'm sure that would play well. <laughs> That's that's the yep. challenge that I'm issuing. We've moved on from Chris Nagel. I went Darren Pang and Pat Maroon. Absolutely. I think that would be a great match, and I'm up for it. Yes! Want, All right. I, I, I like I want to go head-to-head with you, little fella. Yeah, Clip <laughs> that off. <laughs> uh, Darren Pang with us here every Wednesday on 101 ESPN. Uh, Panger, let's start with the good. I mean, you, you talked a lot about Thomas Grice going into the uh, the season, and we saw, even though I know it's weird to say great goaltending on a game that's 4 nothing, but that, the fact that it was one nothing into the third period is because his performance on Monday night in Winnipeg, and then also the way Jordan Bennington, his started the season your thoughts on what we've seen from the blues netminders well i think they've both been excellent i mean you couldn't ask for anything more from from jordan bennington and jordan will get the start tonight against against edmonton no surprise there uh the question mark will be on back-to-back nights and going into nashville you know do they go back do they go back to thomas grace well i would say that after the game that he played they'd be fully confident in going back to the veteran netminder in a back-to-back situations but I w- the other thing to look at for tonight's game is let's say the Blues don't take any minor penalties or they take one or two and there's no sustained pressure where Jordan Bennington's got to really work post to post and plays go down behind the net and he's got to look over his shoulder. Then he's got to push out to the front to the point and, and fight through screens. If there's not a whole lot of that tonight um, and it's more of a kind of a rush attack game where it's one and done, uh, then I, you know, then I, could, I could really see him just going back to back in a big game against the Central Division tomorrow night but in the meantime you asked the question about the goaltending I, w- I would say that the goaltenders have sparkled and uh i mean it when i said that i don't you know you know me i call out a game yeah, absolutely thomas grace was the first star for me i mean i i looked at down the line of the uh of the winnipeg jets and i didn't find a player on their team better than thomas grace and the players owed him an apology and and i know that they felt awful about it and they tap him on the pads you go to the locker room and you say pick your head up thomas we'll we got your back the next time and i don't see that happening again because this is a veteran team that cares about each other, and they would be very disappointed in the way they played in that game in Winnipeg. Staying along the lines of calling it how how we see it, it's certainly not making an excuse for it, but the Blues have had uh, certainly a random start to the schedule with a number of games and weird pacing to it. And now, unfortunately, uh, a Butchnevich interv- uh, in- injury excuse me, that didn't necessarily initially seem like a big deal uh, has him on the IR, and uh, also the Blues were without Saad on Monday as well, and I'm sure that played a role in what we saw from a lack of offensive output. Your thoughts on uh, the Blues offensively and those two injuries, Panger? Yeah, major injuries, and there's a good chance we see. You know, Tyler Pitlick just signed a yep. just signed a one year deal, and with the injuries that the Blues have, um, and and looking like Logan Brown finished that game strong, I thought there were good moments for Logan, especially in the first period, where that line of neighbors, uh, Brownie and uh, and Lebo, were really good. Um, but, uh, you know, again, who's to say that, uh, that, that Tyler Pitlick doesn't get in the lineup for tonight's game. So all, all in all, I, I think what we're looking for here is w- there's been moments of brilliance with, um, you know, with Thomas and Tarasenko a couple of games ago when Shen went on that left side, I thought that was a really good line. That was, uh, in Edmonton where it went Shen, Thomas, Tarasenko, Saad, O'Reilly, and Cairo, you know, and that was excellent. I mean, I thought that, uh, that played out very, very well. I didn't think Shen, O'Reilly, and Cairo found any kind of magic together. So I think the bottom line is O'Reilly and Cairo have to maybe simplify their game or, you know, they're going to have to maybe play more of a freelance game where, or maybe you know, less of a freelance game. Sometimes Jordan Cairo, uh, Timmy, likes to play a freelance game, and sometimes <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly doesn't know where the heck he's going to go. Uh, and that's, you know, 
So maybe I should tighten that up. I mean, one thing that David Prawn did with Brian O'Reilly is play a predictable game, not a freelance game. And so, uh, you know, I mean, that square peg in a round hole and it just doesn't work. I, I don't know, but I know that Craig Berube will have some patience with it, and he'll probably give it another go tonight. The Blues and Craig Berube, we were talking about this, uh, with the adjustment that they made to attempt to counter Edmonton's style on Saturday was brilliant, and certainly the goaltending played a role in that. But you get a one nothing lead on that team, and you're able to hold on to a throwout. That is saying something. Now you get to see him just a few nights later. So how does this work from a coaching standpoint? Is it like seeing a team back-to-back nights, and, and you go, okay, well, now there, there's going to be some adjustments? Uh, what do you think we, we will see with the Oilers? and blues being fresh on each other's minds from saturday well a couple of things number one considering the blues were on the road they did a phenomenal job of getting letty and Pareko, especially in the second period on the ice against kane mcdavid and yamamoto Mm -hmm. so that's that that's one thing in mind they will be on the ice every time 97 steps out but you know connor mcdavid is phenomenal at, at reading the play and i always use the second period because you tend to get the long change and you get lost that's the period to watch for for Connor McDavid. It's their it's their best period, the Edmonton Oilers, and he will change on the fly. He will get a fourth liner off the ice, and next thing you know, 97 barreling down on you while you've been on the ice for 50 seconds to you know a minute and a half. Now, the good news is is that Letty and Preco can play shifts that are a minute and 40, a minute and 50 seconds, but you know it's it's not good in the long run. But uh, so number one, I mean basically on the defensive side of the puck at all times against Drysaddle and McDavid. But the other thing to look at is this game, this is, a, this is a league about bouncing back. And the Edmonton Oilers, they fully remember what St. Louis did in their building and shut them down. So I, I would expect a kind of a, um, a more of a, a wounded mentality from Edmonton and a team that's going to come out here and try to, you know, really try to take it to St. Louis for what the Blues did for them in Edmonton. Blues and Oilers tonight. Catch all the action here on 101 ESPN, pregame at 6 p.m. And, uh, Panger, uh, obviously you'll be on the call, the uh, Lightning and the Ducks, but uh, I guess uh, now the top of your priority list is to find Patty Maroon and and see if you can talk him into uh, not running scared because uh, you guys are next. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll bring a uh, like a wedge or maybe a, like a sixty degree wedge or a putter on the between the benches and kind of lure him in, <laughs> almost like catching largemouth bass at my little lake in Michigan. You know, lure him in, or or I can also maybe maybe get my boys uh, David Wolf over there at Urban Chestnut to send me a half a dozen underdogs and put him on the bench. He'll definitely jump. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a nice strategy right nice there. You, yeah, you just I think you figured it out. Panger, always enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the festivities this evening. We'll talk next week. Sounds great, guys. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you. Nice, that's Darren Pang with us here on Balloon Party. Time for us to wrap it up. BK and Ferrario are up next. Who's in? Alex is in. I thought BK was in, but it's not. It's Alex. And who's he with? Do you see anybody back there? Is that Brooke? Brooke, thank you, Brooke. Mike. Jackson's looking at Zion injury updates in here. Actually, I am. <laughs> you really? He's got a hip contusion. Uh, time for us to shut it down. Uh, Alex and Brooke will be in next on BK and Ferrario for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McCurden. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. 
Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.